Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. That is an important warning to heed. Do not do what Pastor Chip did. It's a, it's a lot of fun otherwise, but come on over here. Okay. So if I haven't met you, I'm Terry McHugh, the executive pastor here at Garfield, and I just wanted to come up for just a second to introduce Reverend Edgar Brady. He's our guest preacher today. Pastor Chip is on vacation, not recovering from that slide, but uh, getting a little R&R, and so keep him and his family in prayer. So we're excited that Reverend Brady is here. He is the district superintendent of the Western Reserve District here in East Ohio. And he was the lead pastor at Twinsburg United Methodist Church for some years. He is here with his wife today. They have been married for 42 years, which is awesome, which is the exact same amount of time that my husband Joe and I have been married. So I decided that we were twins. So I'm going to step down and let... Reverend Brady bring his uh, powerful message today, so may God bless this, the hearing of the word and the Holy Spirit come. Amen. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Viola Davis has an amazing book called Finding Me. She tells a a story of struggle, of life, of experiences. After graduating uh, from college during the summer of 88, somewhere deep in in her heart, in her soul, in her mind, in her psyche, that inner voice told her, why don't you apply for Circle in the Square Theater in New York City? But she was broke. She had no money. She earned a scholarship, but she still didn't have enough money. So in an act of desperation, her back was against the wall. She decided to make an appointment with Iona, who was the chairperson of the arts community in Rhode Island. And so she made it there. And when she made it, she sat down and she told her sob story. She started crying and telling her how bad she wanted to go to this camp. And she dreamed about becoming an actor and this and that and this and that. And she was crying. And finally, our owner gave her a napkin in her hand and said, you have the money. So she spent a summer learning the craft of becoming an actor. She earned a scholarship. She was a part of the circle in the Square Theater. Alan Landon was one of the acting coach 
summit graduates were Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and Kevin Bacon. While she was in the Circle of the Square Theater, she had an experience that changed her life. One of the tenets of the Circle of the Square Theater is that actor and actress learn how to reach in the deep crevice of their soul and bring deep emotion and pain. There were a hundred kids from all over the country. Some wanted to be actors and others didn't. One actor named Emily became a friend to Viola. Emily had a very soft, soft voice. She always looked scared and afraid. She was enormously very sweet and always accommodating. Almost too much, she said. But she was a part of the experience, the program, because she, wanted, she didn't want to be an actor, but maybe Emily wanted to find herself or be healed. Each actor had to pick a scene in the play, and Emily decided to pick the scene from Agnes of God, the story about a young nun who had a child and was, she was in a convent. The scene started with an actor playing a psychologist who pinned Angus to the ground, and the psychologist said to, to, to Angus, who baby is it? Who baby is it? Emily was supposed to scream, it's God. But instead she whispered, it's God. There was a silence in the theater. Alan came forth. Alan had a reputation as an acting coach. He looked at Emily and finally told Emily, Emily, where's your voice? Come on, girl, where is your voice? You must know what happened to you. Where is your voice? You must know. Emily was shaking at this point. I don't know. Alan insisted, you must know. Showing intensity and deep emotion, Emily found the courage to speak her, her story, to tell a story that was quite unique. And then she said in front of her peers and friends, my father, my father held me down on the bed when I was nine years old. He raped me. And when I was raped, I lost my voice. I lost my voice. 
when Ahai was raped. There was a silence in the theater. The whole class could not believe what they were hearing. And then they began to cry. But Alan, being the coach, used this moment as a teaching moment. And he asked her, would you like to do the scene again? Emily was so courageous. She unlocked deep pain in her soul, in her heart, in her mind, in her very existence to speak to the nine-year-old girl who was raped. But then she began to moan and scream almost like an animal and she did the scene with great gusto. It's God. The baby is God. And she fell to the ground and she began to moan and weep and cry out to the Lord. And Alan held Emily as she was crying out to the Lord. The students were shocked as they wiped away the tears to acknowledge Emily Payne. But Emily is not alone. Every year in America, 463,600 victims of rape, 12 years age or younger, are raped in America. Those are the reported cases. But in some estimates, it's almost 600 to 700,000 children who are raped every single day in every single year in America. And our legislator passed a law that a 10-year-old girl that was a victim of rape could not get an abortion in Ohio and she had to go to Indiana in order to get a, an abortion. Something ain't right about that. Children are being raped. Victims of incest. Children are being raped and they are losing their voice. They are experiencing deep emotional trauma. Job also lost his voice. The Bible says that there once was a man in, name, in the land of Oz whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. Job 1 tells us three things about Job. His, it tells us his name, where he was from, and also the definition of his character. Job has two pair of descriptives that, that describe him. He was upright and blameless, and he also was wise enough to fear God. But Job lost his force for he experienced suffering. 
Now, I love Dr. Tracy Hardman, the professor at homiletics and practical theology at Baptist, theology, Baptist Seminary, tells about this text. You see, when you look at this text, it's, it's like you're reading a, a novel or, or reading a, a, a fantasy book or reading a, a book or a, a, a book that don't make sense, like a Harry Potter book, because God gave Satan permission to test Job's faithfulness. He took away his wealth. And then to make things even worse, Satan took away Job's children. Although this contest between God and Job and, and Satan feels like a contest, but Job experienced trauma and he lost his voice. We need to be clear that Satan in this story is not the Satan in the New Testament. In this story, Satan is a part of the heavenly court who only sole function was to seek out and accuse people of being unfaithful to God. Satan in the New Testament is the, is, the, is the Satan who had the audacity to tempt Jesus by offering him things of power and wealth in the wilderness. And, and Jesus said, and he proclaimed to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone. But in his first round of testing, Job lost his wealth and his children. You remember what the Bible says. Job lost his seven sons and his three daughters. While they were eating and drinking wine, suddenly a great wind came and the house fell in on all of his children and all of them died. Now this is interesting. Every time there was calamity, every time there was a problem, every time there was a, a pain, there'd be a servant will go to Job with bad news. One servant said, Master Job, 500 of your oxen died today. Another servant said, 500 of your donkeys died today. Then another servant came and gave him the news that all your children are dead. It was news that Job couldn't hardly bear. So the Bible said he rose up. He tore his robe. He shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped God. And in all that pain, he had a great theological moment that has been quoted throughout the ages when he said, Neki, I came from my mother's womb, and Neki shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow, what a response to trouble. 
The second round of Job testing is personal for him. For Satan said skin for skin, all people would do anything to save their lives. Scratch out your hands, but don't, but don't touch his bone and his flesh. And I would give him so much pain that he would curse you, Lord, and he, he would die. So the devil inflicted Joel with sores on his body that was so painful that Job had to sit in the ashes in order to gain comfort. I have my own Job moment. I'm a cancer survivor. When I went to the doctor and the doctor... When I went to the doctor and the doctor told me I had a cancer... I feel like a character in different strokes. I told the physician, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Edgar Alonzo Brady got cancer. That can't be. He said, yes, you have cancer. And then once he told me I have cancer, I said, you know, doc, I had plans. It's family reunion time. Now, in black folk, in my community, in my culture, family reunion is a big production. We go from place to place, city and destination, all over America, just to line dance. <laughs> just to eat pound cake. Just to fellowship and talk and play spade. And you're going to tell me that I got cancer and I can't go to family reunion. Doctor, what are you talking about? But I had cancer, and it was my Job moment. I remember that the radiation was so powerful that I would try to drive the car for a mile and a half and had to pull over and let my wife drive me to get a sandwich. Then it made me so weak that I, had, I will go downstairs and I will attempt to get up, but I could. The only thing I could do is sit and watch television. And then a few weeks later, they said, it's going to really kick in. And oh my God, it really kicked in. Radiation kicked my butt. I was powerless. And I asked God a whole lot of questions. You know, uh, I'm a Christian. I've been married to one wife for 42 years. Who gave somebody the audacity for me to have cancer? This, this is not fair. But then I read the Bible. It said it rains on the just as well as the unjust. And then I reread the word of Job said that proclaimed to us 
it, it rains on the just and the unjust, and yet I will bless the Lord anyhow in all seasons. You see, the first question for us to ask ourselves is not all human suffering is deserved. Not all human suffering is deserved. It rains on the just and the unjust. Gordon Marino tells an interesting story about President Joe Biden. Gordon Marino says that Joe Biden frequently tells the story of his defining moment in his life. It wasn't when his wife was killed, uh, when he was running for Senate and he had to raise his sons by himself and go through that shock. Many years, Joe Biden traveled from Delaware to Washington by train. That wasn't challenging enough for Joe. It was when his son, whom he loved, Bo, had cancer. And Bo died. And Joe Biden had a Joe moment where you question the existence of God. And the only thing saved Joe Biden was his wife, Jill, had a quote from Kierkegaard, a philosopher, a theologian that had six words that changed Joe Biden's life. Faith sees best in the dark. Faith sees best in the dark. There are times in our lives, like my grandmother said, we don't know the way we're going, but God is there. We don't know what door will be opened, but God will open the door. We don't know how we're going to get through the storm of life, but we hold on for dear life because God is there. Faith see the best in the dark. Faith sees best in the dark. When you don't know the way you're going, you're trusting God. God will provide a way. God will open the door. God will make a way. Hello. I wish I had somebody with me out of nowhere. God will make a way out of nowhere. Kierkegaard's book was written in 1847. Kierkegaard had a little chapter that, that talked about the gospel of suffering. Kierkegaard had no idea that the words he wrote down in 1847 will be read by Joe Biden. His words that said, faith sees better in the dark and knowledge that sometimes we don't know the way we are going, but God knows. 
We don't know the direction of our life, but God knows. Faith sees better than a dog when we trust God and believe God will indeed make a way out of nowhere. Job is wise enough to understand that bad things sometimes happen to good people. Job calls the question of him religious integrity and Israel theology into question when he proclaimed to his wife and his friends shall we not receive the good at God's hand and not receive the bad shall we not receive the good at, of God from God's hand and not see the bad Job took this perplexing position that all things come from God, that all things come from God. The bad, the good, the indifference, and the ugly, all of it come from God. See, Job seems to understand and reminds us that if we, if we only associate God with the good things that happen in our lives, we forsake God when trouble comes. The wisdom of Job it Job stand is God is present with us in the good and in the bad and in the ugliness of life. The wisdom of Job stand allows him to recognize that God is with us in our moments of desolation and fear and anxiety and trouble and trauma. Even when we lose our voice, God is there. God is there. Have you ever experienced moments in your life that you felt alone? That you read the words that Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God. Why have thou forsaken me? The morning of my cancer surgery, I experienced that. I was upset because I must admit and confess, I like to control the outcomes of life sometimes, you know. But I'm in surgery and I'm scared to death. And it was during COVID time, and so I couldn't have no pastor pray for me. I was there. My wife dropped me off. They said, okay, you can come, see him, kiss him, and then I was by myself. But something happened while I was having surgery. I was talking to my mom, who died in the year 2000. I was talking to my sister, who who died of, of cancer, pancreatic cancer. I talked to another sister who died of lung cancer. I talked to an aunt who lived to be 100 years old. And, and in my dream, while they put me under, I was asking them a theological question. And the question I asked them was, you guys didn't tell me how painful this will be. You didn't tell me how troubling it would be. And then they said, yeah, but... Tomorrow, in that great getting the morning, you're going to see the glory of God. Hello! 
you're going to experience God's glory and, and to tell me that I was so sleep, so knockout, they couldn't wake me up. Because I was having a conversation about the goodness of God in the midst of my pain. On July, on June the, the 17th, 2015, a Bible study at Mother Emmanuel Amy Church in Charleston, South Carolina, when a white supremacist came in and he was at Bible study. And he had the audacity to bring a gun in the house of the Lord and kill people. I lost my voice, and I experienced trauma. And I had the audacity to question God, Lord, why did this happen? In March of 2019, a gunman murdered 51 people in two mosques in Christ Church, New Zealand, and he posted his attack on Facebook. It broke my heart. Then on May this year, I thought I was getting better, but on May the 14th, a gunman three hours away from us in Buffalo, New York, mounted a camera on his helmet, live screening on Twitter, and he killed 10 people at a Topps grocery store. One of the victims he killed was a woman named uh, Catherine Massey, who was an advocate against gun violence, who wrote a letter uh, to the editor in the Buffalo News about the evils of gun violence and why can't we do something to save people's lives. Well, on that Saturday, when a brother dropped her off at Topps grocery store, Catherine was gunned down. She was only 72. And then what happened on the 4th of July broke me to the core. 88-year-old grandfather got gunned down what an abomination! At a 4th of July parade, people got killed. Catherine Goldstein was one of them. She was the mother of two daughters. She was shot standing next to her daughter. And when I saw and read her interview in the New York Times and saw the interview on MSN and CNN, it brought me to tears. A 20-something-year-old child shouldn't be helping her father plan her mother's funeral. She's broken. And we are broken. 
we are perplexed, we are troubled. What's going on in our nation? Why can't we love one another? Why can't we get along? Why can't we understand one another? When will racism and sexism be over with? When will we stop wanting to control people's lives and people's bodies? When will it be over? There's a book called 50 Prayers That Changed the World, and I wish I wrote the book, but I didn't. <laughs> but in this book, she had a prayer, and these 50 prayers that changed the world that Harry Beecher Stowe wrote during the midst of the Civil War. The war of northern aggression to the southerners. Brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor. In the Civil War, in the midst of the strife, they were dying for the humanity of people of color on the battlefields of Gettysburg and, and in Vicksburg and all those great battles. Harry Beecher Stowe wrote a prayer in a troubled season in our country, in our world. Listen what she said. When winds are raging over the, over the upper oceans and bellows of wind contend with anger war, tis said for down beneath the wind's commotion that peaceful stillness ringeth evermore. All rest, rest, all peace serene, eternal. Thy ever livest, thy changes never. In the secret of thy dwelling place, fullness of joy, fullness of joy forever and ever. Even when we can't see our way, God is there. Even when we don't have an answer to our question, it rains on the just as well as the unjust. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.